Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. I am reading from the English Standard Version, and you can follow along wherever you are as we read his scripture, beginning in verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he, excuse me, a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and the new things I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. This is God's word. Thanks, Pastor Ian, for reading God's Word for us. Uh, let me pray for us. Let's all go to God in prayer as we come to His Word. Let's pray that He will open our hearts to receive His truth. Let's pray together. Sovereign God, we do give you thanks and praise, even in this time of crisis, in this time of uncertainty and anxiety. You do not change, and you remain the same yesterday, today and forever. And so, Lord, we come to you with confidence, not our own. We come to you with a confidence that you give by your grace. And we pray that you would speak to us your truth. We pray for open hearts. We pray for your spirit to move powerfully among us. Although we cannot physically gather, but you are with us. And we pray that you would continue to strengthen us in your word. Help us to see Jesus, to draw near to him, because he is our hope in life and death. And we pray this in his name. Amen. And the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being and was still and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows. 
And the people began to think differently. And the people healed. You may have heard of this poem by Kitty O'Meara. She wrote this uh, recently in response to the current pandemic. I mean, like many of us, she is also staying at home and with all that time on her hands. uh, She's a retired nurse, by the way, who lives in the US. And with all that time on her hands, she thought she would respond, give voice to her anxieties. And so she wrote this poem. And this poem has since gone viral around the world. And I think one reason it's so popular is because we all can relate to what she's saying. I think we all understand that crisis uh, brings clarity. Tough times reveal what truly matters to us as an individual, what matters to us as a family, what matters to us as a nation, and what matters to us as a church. Tough times are revealing They show where we place our confidence and our hope. We've been living with COVID-19 for more than two months now, and I'm sure for all of us, our daily lives have been disrupted. From this Tuesday onwards for the next month, for the next month, uh, all of us will be at home. Uh, Work will be suspended unless we are in essential services. Uh, Schools have been suspended as well for the month. You know, our physical gatherings as a church have been restricted. You know, we've not been able to gather for the past two Sundays. You know, many of our plans have been put on hold. You know, I know couples who are uh, in a state of uncertainty because they, they, they're wondering whether their weddings can still go ahead. So we live in an age of anxiety. We live in an age of great uncertainty as our plans have fallen through. But this is an opportunity this is an opportunity for us to take stock of our lives. Uh, a friend of mine who pastors in China, uh, he said these words. When COVID-19 struck that nation, he said, we are asking that God would use what others see as a great calamity to bring about a great awakening. So how are we doing? How are we doing? What has the pandemic revealed about our hearts? What has the pandemic revealed about our hopes and our fears? When the plague known as the Black Death ravaged Europe in the 16th century, Protestant reformer Ulrich Zwingli was pastoring in Zurich. And friends advised Zwingli to leave the city, but he insisted on staying to care for the ill in the city. And not surprisingly, he caught the disease. And Zwingli was bedridden for weeks. And while he was in bed, he wrote these words, Help me, O Lord, my strength and rock. Lo, at the door I hear death's knock. And then as his condition worsened, Zwingli went on to write these other stanzas in this little poem. He said, Death is at hand. My senses fail, my tongue is dumb. Now, Christ, prevail. He harms me not, I fear no loss, for here I lie beneath thy cross. You know, Zwingli recovered, by the way. Uh, But he died in battle, but that's another story. (laughs) And in these 
anxious days as we approach Good Friday and Easter. Uh, I, I think God providentially has us in this text in Isaiah 42. You know, this sermon schedule was planned you know, months ahead of time. But as God would have it, we find ourselves in Isaiah 42, and it is a timely reminder to us of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and His Gospel. So today and the next Sunday, we will be taking a break from our regular sermon series in Luke to focus on two passages from Isaiah. And both passages speak of God's servant, whom God has sent for us and for our salvation. We'll be looking at two of Isaiah's five servant songs written to comfort God's people in crisis. So what does Isaiah 42 tell us about God's servant. Just two points for us to meditate on this morning as we consider this text. So first point, behold, the gentle servant bears our weaknesses. Now this is the first of Isaiah's seven songs. It is divided into two parts. In part one, verses one to four, God tells us about his servant. Then in part two, verses five to nine, uh, God speaks directly to his servant, and we are allowed to eavesdrop on what he says. Uh, God wants us to know his servant for ourselves. So verse 1 begins with the word, Behold, you know, look, look at my servant. When times are tough, it's easy to focus on our problems, on our circumstances. But God calls us to look. Look, look not only to our circumstances, but look to his servant. Behold, look to the one who loves us. Behold God's servant, for he is our rest and our salvation. And God has chosen the servant to fulfill his promises and plan of salvation. God says he delights in his servant. He, he's pleased with his servant who perfectly keeps God's will. And when Jesus is baptized and the Holy Spirit comes upon him, God quotes these very words from Isaiah 42 and he uses Isaiah 42 to speak of Jesus, his son. And he says these words about Jesus at his baptism. You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And friends, if God is pleased with his servant. He is pleased with us if we follow his servant. What is the servant like? Verse 2 says, He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the streets. I think one of the things this pandemic has uh, 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 kind of surfaced is, is how worldly leaders love to talk about themselves. You know, all, all worldly leaders want to, want to make it known that they are in control and they have everything in order. You know, just read their social media posts. Right? They, they love to boast about all that they're doing and how good uh, leaders they are. But the servant is not like that. You know, I used to watch a reality TV show called Undercover Boss. You know, the concept of this show is a simple one. You know, bosses would secretly take on, uh, you know, sort of ordinary, low-level jobs in their companies to find out how things really are on the ground. So these bosses would, you know, they would disguise themselves and they would take on these jobs and mingle with 
uh, the rest of their staff. Uh, and and they, the, the reason they do that is to kind of really find out firsthand what the needs are on the ground. And I think we, we like a show like that because we appreciate a boss who, especially when times are tough, who's willing to roll up their sleeves and get into the trenches with us. Well, like an undercover boss, this servant enters our world without any pride or pretensions. He enters our world in an unassuming way, without any fanfare, without any pomp. He doesn't come with a, a grand entourage of servants. He doesn't come with a retinue of uh, advisors or followers. No, he, he comes humbly. He comes as a servant, and he comes and draws near to us. And this Jesus laid aside his glory. He did not come to be served, but he came to serve, and he made himself nothing. And Isaiah goes on to say that this servant strengthens the weak. You know, a, a reed is a very thin stem of, of grass or, or a plant that is already fragile. You know, how much more a reed that is bruised, you know, that the slightest pressure will break it. You know, perhaps in the current pandemic, you know, all of us feel like bruised reeds. Our worries have multiplied. We're anxious about many things, anxious about our health, anxious about our jobs, our livelihoods, anxious about the well-being of our loved ones, anxious about our future. And what will happen after this pandemic is over? Will life go back to normal? You know, amid all the uncertainty, we, we feel especially vulnerable. And many of us fear the loss of control because many of our plans have fallen through. In fact, we fear even making plans because we simply do not know what next week will bring, let alone next month. And we are battered and bent by life in a broken world. A faintly burning wick is a flickering flame that is near to being extinguished. Now, even the slightest breeze will snuff it out. Do we feel like our faith is more like a candle in the wind than a blazing fire burning brightly? Do we feel like we're struggling? Struggling with suffering? Struggling with sin, our own sin, as well as the sins of others against us? Amid our trials and temptations, do we fear our faith will fail? Now, friends, we don't like to be bruised, but bruising can do us good by causing us to see our need for God. Bruising leads us to confess that we are weak. Bruising helps us to realize that we need God's grace and that His grace is enough and His power is made perfect in our weakness. 
In fact, bruising helps us to realize that we can boast all the more of our weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon us. And friends, the, the servant has not come to help those who can help themselves. The servant is here for the helpless, for the weak. And God says to us, a bruised reed he will not break, and the faintly burning wick he will not quench. You know, the servant is gentle with us, but his meekness is not weakness. He is powerful because God has put his spirit upon him. And the servant uses his power. He brings all his might and power to bear on us, not to break us, but to build us up. And he fans into flame the tiny spark of our faith. The servant's gentleness is not the absence of power. It is the presence of power lovingly applied to help the weak. Now, I was trying to think of a, an example that could show this, and I could only think of a negative example. And I thought of myself. You know, I thought of myself as a negative example, uh, especially when I help my two boys with their homework. Right, when, when I sit down, with, when I help my two boys with my homework, I, I see how quickly I get, you know, how impatient I get, so I, how, how easy it is for me to, to become harsh with them when I help them with their homework, especially their things here. You know, it's so easy for me to pounce on their mistakes, to, to kind of point out all the things that they're getting wrong and all the things that they haven't done. You know, I, I thought of that as a, as a negative example of what the servant is not like. You know, it's easy for those who are strong to get impatient with weakness. It's easy for those who are strong, who are competent, to despise incompetence, to despise weakness. You know, we, we live in a dog-eat-dog world which tells us that might is right and this world tells us that only the fittest survive. So we put up a strong front because we know that any sign of weakness will get exploited. And I think this is why we find it so hard to ask for help. Even in times of crisis, we would rather keep it to ourselves because we find it hard to expose our own weakness. We fear that the strong would despise us. We fear being rejected by those who are stronger than us. So friends, praise God. Praise God that the servant is not like the world. Praise God that the servant is not like us. He, he doesn't despise us because we are weak, but rather he shows us mercy and compassion. Now, why is this so? Why is the servant a merciful servant? It's because he himself knows what it means to be weak. He isn't a mere spectator of our suffering. He is a man of sorrows. He is acquainted with grief. He himself was despised and rejected. In the other servant songs, we hear these words. The servant laments, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. He says these words in Isaiah 50, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. 
The servant knows our weaknesses because he himself was weak. He's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. So friends, in this time of crisis, in this time of need, in this time of anxiety, we don't have to pretend that we're strong. The servant invites us. He calls us to himself. He calls us to be humble, to be honest, to be transparent, to be vulnerable with him and with one another as well. You know, as Pastor Ian mentioned earlier in the announcements, we, we urge you, please come forward if you have need for help. You know, please come forward. Uh, the, the elders and pastors are happy to see how we can help you, especially in this time of need. Uh, the member care team is ready to help you. CG leaders and CGs are, are ready to see how we can help one another especially in this time of need. And we only ask you to be honest, to give us an opportunity to be the church for you so that we can together strengthen one another. Because friends, we are all bruised reeds, all of us. We are all faintly burning wicks. And the servant invites us to come to him to lay our burdens on him because he cares for us. The servant understands he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. So come to him, friends. Come to him. And, and see one another as channels of his grace. So we can seek help from one another as well. The second point of meditation from our text this morning is in, from verses 5 to 9. Behold, the gentle servant is strong to save. Verse 4 tells us the servant will not grow faint or be discouraged because he is strong to save. Now, what is the source of his strength? The Almighty Creator God Himself will strengthen His servant. You look at verses 5 and 6. Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. God has given his servant a mission and he will ensure his servant succeeds. Now, what is the servant's mission? Uh, this passage tells us that it is to bring forth justice to the nations, to faithfully bring forth justice and to establish justice in the earth. See that in verse 1, verse 3, and verse 4. Now in the Bible, justice means more, much more than just the rule of law or fairness. Justice in the Bible is this truth that means God's righteousness and how all his ways are right. So for the servant to establish God's justice in the earth means nothing less than God's kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this servant will see to it that God's will be done. 
this servant will establish the kingdom of God. This pandemic is a very stark reminder that this world is broken. This pandemic reminds us that things are not the way they're supposed to be. This pandemic reminds us that we long for the day. We long for the day when the servant will establish God's kingdom in its fullness. We, we long for the day when the servant will make all things right. Not being able to physically gather now makes us yearn even more for the day when we shall gather around God's throne in unending praise and worship. When, when the gathering never ceases and the worship never ends. And the fact that this is the first Sunday of the month and we can't partake of the Lord's Supper because we're not physically gathered reminds us that we yearn for that day. Friends, we yearn for that gathering. We yearn for the day when we shall gather around God's throne, when God's kingdom comes in its fullness and we gather around that throne in praise and worship together with countless numbers from every language and nation. Friends, the servant is our hope in anxious times. And God gives his servant as a covenant for the people. A covenant is basically a relationship. So the servant brings us into a covenant relationship with God, one that can never be broken. And Jesus says to us, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, Jesus has opened up the way for us to be in a relationship with God, a relationship where we shall be safe forevermore. The servant is a light for the nations. God has a missionary heart for the world, which is in bondage to the darkness of sin. But Jesus says to us, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Sin blinds us to, to the glorious beauty of God. Sin turns us in on ourselves and makes us selfish and self-centered. You know, C.S. Lewis wrote these uh, famous words. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. And like an, in, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. You know, because of our sin, we, we, we just focus on ourselves and we settle for lesser joys. We settle for lesser hopes. Sin makes us slaves of our desires and fears. And we shall never be free until we die to ourselves and find our life in the servant who gave his life for us. The servant is gentle with bruised reeds because he took our guilt and shame. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. And God made Jesus the servant to be sin who knew no sin so that in him 
we might become the righteousness of God. Now, gentleness without strength has no power to save, but strength without gentleness is just brute force. But the servant perfectly embodies both gentleness and strength. And Isaiah 40 captures this perfect embodiment of gentleness and strength very well in verses 10 and 11. They say, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. And then you see that gentleness of the Lord. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Jesus is the perfect mingling of meekness and majesty. He is both humble servant and glorious king. He is the all-conquering lion and the lamb who was slain for the sins of the world. Friends, we can come to Jesus with confidence because he is able and he is willing to save all who put their faith in him. And if the servant has been so gentle with us, those of us who follow the servant, we should also be gentle with one another. As Pastor Ollie reminded us last week, being gracious with others shows that God's grace is working in us. Jesus models gentleness for us. So if we follow him, then let's show compassion and mercy to others, especially in this time. Many are discouraged, many are fearful, and many are, many are anxious. Don't despise weakness. Let's not be harsh, impatient, critical, or judgmental towards others or one another. Remember, friends, we are all bruised reeds. And this pandemic is an opportunity for us to love and serve one another. So let's encourage the faint-hearted. Let's help the weak. Let's be patient with one another. And let's use the opportunity that technology affords to stay connected with one another, whether on Zoom or WhatsApp or any other technology that you may have. Let's, let's all aim to stay connected and to continue to speak encouragement and words of strength to one another. We may not be physically present, but we surely can pray for one another and be spiritually present for and with one another. The circumstances are beyond our control. But the good news is that God is still sovereign and God is still good. And nothing, friends, nothing shall separate us from God's love. Nothing can derail His plan of salvation, not even a global pandemic. God is in control and He is faithfully accomplishing His purposes. And He tells us that in verse 9. He says, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. And the reason why God can tell us things before they come forth is because He knows the end of all things. His plan is never in jeopardy. The future is never in doubt. 
Because our God is sovereign, our God knows, and our God is good. Who or what are we really trusting in? Who or what are we really trusting in? COVID-19 has made us more careful about having clean hands, but has it also made us more watchful about having pure hearts? God says in verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Friends, God wants us in this time, especially in this time, to trust in Him alone, because He will not share His glory with idols. For us to trust in any other thing apart from God is to share God's glory with idols. For us to trust in things that cannot save is to undermine the glory of God. Because we are saying that He's not enough and that we find help in some other place. So how have the circumstances exposed the idols of our hearts? What do we trust in instead of God? For comfort, for security, for joy, for peace. Friends, this pandemic is difficult, but it is also a good opportunity. God is calling us to return to Him. And He's using this pandemic to give us clarity, to help us to think what we really value, what we really trust in. He's calling us now to turn away from our counterfeit gods that cannot save, our counterfeit gods and idols that cannot carry us through this time of crisis. May God use this great calamity to bring about a great awakening in us. May we think differently. May we heal because we come to the servant who is strong to save. May we glorify God by trusting in His servant who is gentle and who is strong. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank You indeed. You are merciful and gracious. And Father, we thank You for this word, this promise of Your servant. We thank You that He has come and He has laid down His life as a sacrifice for sinners so that we can come to You and find help in our time of need. And Father, we do confess that this is our time of need. We come to You as bruised reeds. We come to You as faintly burning wicks. And Father, we acknowledge that these past weeks, these past months have been extremely difficult for us. Father, we come to you with our anxieties and our fears. And Father, we, we pray that you would help us. Help us to come honestly, transparently and vulnerably to you. To lay our burdens down at the feet of Jesus, our servant King. Help us in this time of meditation and quiet to consider our hearts. How are you calling us to draw near to you? Friends, I'm going to put up some reflection questions for us 
to consider as we continue in this time of silent reflection. How am I like a bruised reed or faintly burning wick? How is Jesus calling me to lay my burdens on Him and to trust in Him? In what specific ways can we show gentleness, mercy and compassion to one another? Friends, spend some time reflecting on these things now. And even after this live stream is over, in your families or on Zoom with your CG or others, spend some time talking about these questions. Pray for one another. Strengthen one another. Encourage one another. Gracious Father, we thank you again. We praise you for you are gracious and merciful. We thank you, Father, that you invite us to come to you through your servant, Jesus. Father, in this time of need, we come. We come boldly to your throne of grace because we have a great high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses because he himself suffered and died. Help us draw near to you, Father, we pray. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, we ask this in his name. Amen.